Welcome to Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla, where it's you who sets the conversation. Join us for the next hour as we take a fresh look at how we think about spirituality. And it is Thursday. That means that it's time for us to get together. Fresh Thinking, I hope that you're not running around in a frenzy because it seems like there is such chaos out there. It's like the end of the world has come. I made the joke earlier that today it feels like all South Africans are getting a taste of what Erev Pesach is like. <laughs> I don't know if have you been anywhere? Have you been to the shops? People have lost their minds. It's apocalypse now what is going on out there. So breathe, breathe. We will be fine. It will actually be a good thing just to tone it down, calm down, spend some quality time inside our own homes with our families don't try and beat the system there's no value in that you'll get food there will be supply i've spoken to our kosher suppliers they have plenty of everything for pesach except for the fact that most people have have tried to clear the shelves but they're a step ahead of you and they've kept some of the stock back and we're going to be okay so that's why i thought seeing as it is on everybody's minds, let's talk today about spiritual reflections on living in lockdown. And if you have practical tips or fun activities to do as a family, please share them. Share them with us. People are sharing all kinds of nonsense out there. Share them with us. And I'd love our listeners to be able to hear. You know the rules. 34519. That's our SMS line. A lot of you always like to interact on Twitter. So that's another way to do things. You can uh, interact on Twitter at Chai FM and at Rabbi Shish. So share your thoughts, share your ideas, send us a telegram message, 0618951019. Some tips for living in lockdown before I give you mine. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So I'm sitting over here at home as many of you are sitting at home. Now my second week doing the show from, I don't want to say the comfort of my own home, because it's not exactly a radio studio, and you can expect a little bit of lag, because it's a show by remote control, so hopefully you can hear really well, and to be honest, this lockdown has come at an interesting time for our family, because we've just finished quarantine for one half of the family. And another half of the family is still in quarantine, having arrived from overseas. So we've got this segregated situation going on at home. Imagine what that is. I'm sure some of you have had that experience. You have a family member who comes back from overseas. You haven't seen them for half a year, and you don't get the opportunity to hug them. So that's what's going on in this house right now, and I'm sure in many of your homes as well. So I've had a little bit of time to reflect on this principle of lockdown and what it means and what it represents and what we could learn from it. I'm actually sitting here looking out the window at half the family that's that's in, in, in their own isolation. I feel almost like I should call them in. They can't come in because they're in isolation. But to, to give their opinion and their perspective. So it's a strange time. We, are, we acknowledge that it is a strange time. What can we learn from this? What, what can it teach us? And I'm talking specifically about the lockdown experience, not about the broader coronavirus experience, specifically the lockdown experience. And I really invite you because I'm sure that you have thoughts 
And if you don't have thoughts on a philosophical note, I'm sure you have suggestions on a practical note. How do you make the most of this time? Please share those thoughts. I'm sure there are many people who can benefit from it. Send an SMS on 34519 or send a message on Telegram on 0618951019 or you can tweet at Chai FM. You could tweet me directly at Ravashish. This is a time to share. If you've got something that works for you, if you've got something that is meaningful for you, if there's something that can add value to another person's life, this is a great opportunity for you to share that. I think the first thing about living in lockdown, maybe some of you saw there's a video doing the rounds. It's a very beautiful and powerful video from Natan Sharansky. I remember we were in primary school and somebody had smuggled a film interview of Natan Sharansky out of Moscow. This is a man who sat for nine years in Soviet prison. And if I said it was an incredible thing to hear the story of somebody from behind the Iron Curtain and to see his face and to watch those few minutes of film. It was really, really profound and powerful. Today, of course, he's a leading figure in Israeli society, a political figure and a an inspiration to many people. So if you have not yet seen that video that's doing the rounds, I definitely recommend that you look at it because he gives five lessons for lockdown. One of the things that he does say is the first mind shift that we should have is the mind shift that we don't get to decide how this all ends or when this all ends. Many of us are quite taken aback at the thought of being in a lockdown situation for 21 days. Truth of the matter is, who knows? Who knows if it takes 21 days or if Hashem performs some magnificent miracle and it all ends tomorrow. Alternatively, worst case scenario, who says that at the end of 21 days, the government doesn't turn around and say, we have realized how effective this has been, but not yet to the point that we can let everybody out of their houses. We don't know. So it's a, it's a very valuable message that Natan Sharansky shares in that particular interview. He says, we need to shift our mindset from believing that we're going to control the outcome and that we're going to control the time when we leave this particular environment. And if you think about it, that's metaphoric for various things in life. Firstly, before we get to the metaphors, it's an incredibly valuable lesson, and Judaism emphasizes this in various places. It's incredibly valuable in Judaism to appreciate that we actually are not in control and that this element of control is illusory. We have convinced ourselves that we get to choose, that our schedule is cast in stone and guaranteed. And if I put something into my diary, that means that it has to happen. And it means that that date has to be available. And a lot of our lives and a lot of the stress in our lives surrounds when that doesn't work out. I thought it was going to be in this way at that time, and now it's not, and I feel Vulnerable. I think it's fair to say right now that many people, many of us, feel vulnerable. We feel insecure. What's going on? What's happening to our world? So it's valuable for a person to recognize, I actually don't get to control these things. Because if I believe that I should be controlling these things, that's when a person becomes frustrated, and that's when we become depressed. So it's incredibly useful for us to know that if I can just... Let go of that illusion of having control and just accept 
This is my situation. I'm 100% convinced, by the way, that we all have enough of what we need stockpiled in our homes. I have, I have absolute confidence in the paranoia of the Jewish community that everybody has more than what they need at home. <laughs> so why is everybody feeling so vulnerable? Because of the lack of control. We're used to being in a position where we control things. If I choose to go to the shops, I get into my car and I go to the shops. And if the particular item that I'm looking for is not on the shelf, then I rent and I fret and I might complain to the manager or post my frustrations on social media or let it out on the next person who happens to phone me because I have the expectation that things should go as I wish. Right now that has been taken from us. That's It's not going to work as we wish. And not every shop is going to be available. And we are going to have to uh, relinquish certain of the things that we typically appreciate. So that's a good lesson, healthy lesson. It's not a bad thing. It's an uncomfortable lesson. That does not mean it's a bad lesson. So I think the first thing of the lockdown experience is to learn the ability to acknowledge that we don't control these things. And that's okay. It's all right. We don't control our circumstances right now. It's very clear. The truth is we don't control them the rest of the time. We just believe that we do. And we don't control when it's going to end. That's lesson number one for today. I'd like to invite you to share your thoughts and your lessons an SMS 34519. They don't have to be philosophical. They can be practical. Practical suggestions of how to get through this. Send us a message on Telegram 0618951019. Otherwise, tweet at Chai FM and tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So, we do have some very interesting suggestions coming through. Uh, here's somebody on Twitter who says a suggestion for what to do in lockdown is learn a new language on YouTube. I don't know why it has to be YouTube, by the way. I, I've been using a program called Duolingo, an app called Duolingo, and they say generally that to learn a language is actually quite healthy and it expands your brain and makes you a little bit more astute. So there's a good one. Learn a language. And it, but he says specifically that you should, uh, by the end of this, you can be speaking Arabic. Uh, uh, <laughs> I have to be honest. I never considered Arabic as a language that I wanted to use. I have nobody in the immediate vicinity who speaks it. But hey, maybe he has a point. Learn, but the point is learn a language. There's something useful and, and helpful and practical that you can do. At this time, while we are all going to be in lockdown. Michael has some suggestions as well. He says, download and read our constitution. Know your rights as a South African citizen. It's a funny thing. Can you imagine when you're in a situation that you're very much locked down to start to think about your rights? Maybe there's something in that. You may recall a couple of years back, our chief rabbi pushed to have a bill of responsibilities because modern society speaks a lot, speaks extensively about our rights. Maybe that's a reason we're having such a difficult time with the lockdown principle. You are restricting my right to movement. You are restricting my right to socializing. You restrict my right to freedom of shopping. It's got to be in the Constitution somewhere, right? Freedom of shopping. So because we have this 
obsession with our bill of rights, with the things that we deserve, it's quite difficult for us when people take those things away from us. So you will recall that the chief rabbi wanted to have a bill of responsibilities, and uh, it's a brilliant concept. It's a very Torah-based concept, and it's especially at a time such as this that we should reflect on our responsibilities. Now, those responsibilities obviously are also somewhat curtailed. So under ordinary circumstances, perhaps your responsibilities would include going to visit elderly parents and grandparents. You can't do that as easily. You actually can't do it at all in a lockdown. And I know some people want to be able to to trick and cheat the system to have the opportunity to have their grandparents come over for the Pesach Seder. Let's not try and be smarter than the system. The system is in place for a reason to protect people. And it's not about protecting yourself and say, well, I'm willing to take the risk. It's about protecting the next person. That's one of our responsibilities right now. It's probably, not probably, it is definitely our primary responsibility right now is to protect life, our lives and the lives of those around us. I heard something very powerful today that there was a, in fact, I'll see if I can find the original text. Because there's a principle in Judaism that says, which means you have to be very cautious to protect your life. It doesn't just say you should be cautious. It says very cautious to protect your life. So what does that mean? They tell a story. Here it is. They tell a story about the great rabbi called the Rogachava Goin. The lived not so long ago. In fact, there was an old man here in Johannesburg who had known him personally, actually. The Rogachava was an incredibly sharp mind and contributed a, a great deal to modern Talmudic teachings. The Rogachava once came to St. Petersburg. That was obviously the big capital city in those days in Russia. And when he came, he wanted to cross the road. I guess it was a busy road. And he waited and he waited and he waited. Even though there were gaps in the traffic, I guess he didn't want to jaywalk. He waited until there was a proper opening that he could cross the road without any pressure. So the people who were with him said to him, Rabbi, why are you so careful? You know, everybody, kind of, you, you run in between. There's a gap here. You run halfway across the road. And then you wait till the next gap and you run the other half of the road. Why did you wait until there was such a big gap? And he answered with something which is extremely relevant right now. He answered by saying that there are 612 mitzvahs. That if you get them wrong, you will always have another opportunity to do them. There is one mitzvah that you only get one chance to do. And that is the mitzvah, The mitzvah to protect life. There are no second chances. If God forbid a person puts themselves into a situation that endangers their own life, or God forbid endangers the life of other people, you don't get a second chance. You've got one shot at this. It's not just that it's a mitzvah among mitzvahs. It's a mitzvah that affects everything else. We know that you break Shabbos in order to save a life. As the Talmud says, Break or desecrate one Shabbos for the person whose life is in danger. So that they will have the opportunity to fulfill many more Shabbos. That's why we close the shuls. 
Let's close the shuls now so that we have the opportunity to have shuls open many more times, please God, in the future with many more opportunities to daven together and to celebrate together and to study Torah together. So that is part of our responsibility rather than to talk about our rights. I have the right to be free to move and to go and to do and to socialize. And how dare anybody tell me what I should be doing. I have the right to celebrate Pesach together with my family. Well, there are ways to do that. You can have your family move in from now for the next 21 days, provided, of course, they have followed all the other protocols. Nobody's arrived recently from overseas. Nobody is exhibiting any signs of illness. Yes, you can do it. But the most important thing to remember right now is not so much our rights, but our responsibilities. And we have a critical responsibility to ourselves and to the others around us. First, there is no bigger mitzvah right now than the mitzvah to protect life. That is the single biggest mitzvah that we have to concern ourselves with right now. And that's why we're doing all these things. And that's why we have a lockdown. And that's why we're not having the family over for Pesach, as difficult and painful as that is. And it really is. I have uh, the dilemma. I mean, it's not a dilemma because it's very clear what has to happen. But there are people in our community who I know are alone for Pesach. And I know that they live not too far from where I live. And it feels like, can't we just bend the rules and let them come? And the answer is no. The answer is no. I'll do whatever it is to, to assist them to know how to run a Pesach Seder and to ensure that they have the supplies that they need. But it's, this is, this is my primary responsibility. This is a time of responsibility. It is not a time of pleasure. It is not a time of my rights. It's not a time of what I would like. This is a time to man up and to take responsibility and say, we're going to stop this spread. We're going to flatten the curve. Terms that we never knew before and suddenly have become so relevant in our lives. Just remember that Judaism says the person who saves one life is considered to have saved the whole world by you not going out of your house, by you not being part of that frenzy that happens at our shops where everybody's on top of each other and standing around and schmoozing, by being responsible, you have the opportunity to save multiple lives. You know what they calculate? They calculate that if one person who is infected does not look after themselves, does not follow the protocols, they have the potential to infect up to 59,000 people. Think about that for one moment. Can you imagine you have the opportunity to save that many lives. So yes, lockdown is a, mo- is a, is a I shouldn't say it's a moment, it's a period of time for us to reflect on responsibility, that we each have a responsibility to the whole world, to each other, to humanity. What are yours? What are your thoughts? What are your suggestions? What are your recommendations? They could be philosophical, they could be practical. Please share them on 34519 by SMS. Or by telegram on 0618951019. Or you can tweet at Chai FM. You can tweet me directly at Rabbi Shish. This is Fresh Thinking. The Kolel Bookshop will be open today until 8 p.m. to ensure that you get all of your Pesach needs. They have Haggadois, Seder plates, matzah covers, and more. The latest Pesach Krona Haggadah. The Maggid at the Seder. Let the Kolel Bookshop ensure your meaningful Pesach experience. And remember the kids. They have exciting kids, Haggadahs, and Makot. 
kits. Doug Fish is doing home deliveries for those who are reluctant to leave their homes during this time. I guess that that was probably before lockdown, right? So for those who may not leave their homes. For cooked, raw, or deli foods, WhatsApp or phone, 063-405-1645. That's 063-405-1645 with your name and address, and they will gladly rush your order to any address within a three-kilometer radius of the store. Doug Fish can even vacuum pack for better freezing. Doug Fish, always fresh, never frozen. And the sanitized Selwyn Siegel Pesach shop is open with amazing gifts. They have fabulous crafts and games for our kids. And their number is 011-640-6413. That's 640-6413. Or you can find them online, www.selwynsiegelgifts, one word, selwynsiegelgifts.co. Dot Z-A. It is halfway through today's fresh thinking and unusual fresh thinking as we are rushing just before we go to lockdown. So the question is, what spiritual lessons and reflections or practical advice should we be giving, should we be thinking about at this time as we go into lockdown? This Chosidil on Twitter replied, doesn't have to be Arabic, you could learn French, Spanish, Russian, Mandarin, Yiddish, or even Swahili. The point is, keep busy in a productive way. I definitely agree with that. You know, one of the things that you need to know is that if a person is in this situation, you know the joke that's doing the rounds, 8 p.m. is the official time that you're supposed to change from your daytime pajamas to your nighttime pajamas. And I think we all chuckle and kind of relate to that because many of us, especially those of us who have been in isolation, in quarantine, you know, you're not getting out of your house, so why exactly get dressed? There is a value actually in that. There's a value in routine. I think as Jews, we are fortunate people. I have a friend who's a rabbi in Idaho. So he's the only Chabad rabbi in the whole state of Idaho, just to give you a sense I think it says it takes him nine hours to drive from where he is to the northernmost point of the state. And it's a six-hour drive from where he is to the next Orthodox Jewish community. So their kids go to what's called an online school. So they interact with other children around the world who are in similar situations. And that's their school experience. Their human interaction is on the sports field. They, they belong to various um, local sports clubs. So the kids at least get to play with other kids. And they have to truck in their kosher food, whatever. They're very isolated. So I, I saw him in November at the Chabad conference, you know, where all the Chabad shluchim, the representatives, come together in New York. And he, we were chatting. We had a long conversation. And one of the things that he said is how critical, when you live in an isolated environment, how critical it is to create routine. Now, as Jews, we're fortunate because we have routine built into our lives. Think of this for a moment. Okay, so you could just lounge around in bed all day and binge watch your favorite shows on Netflix. You could, but you're not necessarily going to come out of this experience enriched for having done that. Uh, just, just at the beginning of the show, somebody sent through a meme with a silhouette of a rather 
overweight individual, and he says, the, the speech bubble says, they said, stay home. They said it would flatten the curve. And he's looking down, obviously, at his bulging midriff. <laughs> so that's what could happen. It is possible that this could turn into this vegetative experience of 21 days sitting in front of the TV, eating whatever long-lasting snack foods we happen to have. As Jews, we are fortunate people because we have structure built into our lives. A Jewish person is supposed to get up by a certain time because there's a cutoff period for the prayers in the morning. So even if you're holidaying, you still have to be up by a certain time because you need to say the Shema by a certain time and you need to daven the Amidah by a certain time and by extension you should have put on tefillin by a certain time. So by all means, start your day a little bit later, that's fine, but have routine and structure. We're also, as Jewish people, we're supposed to spend every single day of our lives sometime in the morning and sometime in the evening studying Torah. Ideally, the Torah in the morning is supposed to be straight after we pray. So we go from the experience of prayer to the experience of study. If you create that kind of a routine, well, a couple of things will happen. Firstly, the day will be a more meaningful day. It will be a more structured day. And you'll see that any person who has structure in the early part of their day has a completely different day to the person who has no structure in the early part of the day. So it benefits the whole day. Simultaneously, you enrich yourself rather than just sitting around, passing the time. And there are wonderful things to do. You don't have to be all highly strung at this time. You can do relaxing, fun activities with people that you get on with. And by the way, if you're alone at home, it's great that today we have technology where you could create Zoom. I'm sure everybody has suddenly learned about Zoom conferencing. It's taken the world by storm. Their shares have shot up in value. So you could have Zoom get-togethers. We had a fellow in our shul whose birthday was yesterday, and the guys got together, and we had a Zoom get-together. So there was no cake, and there was no uh, giving gifts, and he said it was the cheapest birthday party he's ever hosted. The fact is, it was a social interaction, and it made somebody feel good. So there are these ways, and uh, you, you should absolutely do these things. There are online games that you can play remotely. So you can invite people, even though they're not in your space, you can actually play these interactive games with them. So I, I totally believe that we should be doing these kinds of things. But against the backdrop of structure, and not just structure, meaningful structure. So the children should also have a structure in their day. I know that there's a, this running fight at the moment between parents and educators where the parents are convinced that the kids never learn so much at school. Where did all this work suddenly appear from? And you're trying to dig up your high school algebra that you long ditched and now you've got to help your kid to understand what it is. You don't know where to start. Besides for the schoolwork, there is value in, in them having a structure too. You get up in the morning. You make your bed. What a wonderful opportunity for our kids. Make your bed. Get up in the morning. Put your things away. Clean up after yourself at breakfast time. Do some davening as well. Our kids should do some davening every single morning. It will create meaning. It will create structure. It will create something that lifts them. You can even do it as a family. How often do we ever have the opportunity to daven together with our family? 
sing some of their school songs that they sing in their morning prayers. It's not, it's wonderful, wonderful opportunity for connection that we have over the next 21 days. But connection within a structured environment. We're fortunate people as Jews because even when you get into your day and maybe now you've spent your first few hours of the day in a meaningful kind of a way. Oh, and by the way, dare I mention that we also have Pesach cleaning to contend with. But then you get come to a point in your day where you've got to actually stop. And you do Mincha, the afternoon service. And in the evening you daven again and you learn some more. It's very valuable to have meaningful structure at a time like this. What are your thoughts? What are your suggestions? How could you help somebody to have a meaningful lockdown experience? Please send your thoughts via SMS 34519. Or on Telegram 0618951019. Otherwise, tweet at FM and tweet me at Rabbi Shish. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So it seems that everybody is running around in a frenzy, only getting a trickle of suggestions. Somebody suggested that you should go to Chabad.org and study. I got to tell you, we are in such a privileged time in history where, yes. Lockdown is an incredibly difficult thing. Yes, a pandemic, a global pandemic is overwhelming and frightening. At the same time, and I don't know if you saw Dov Landau, who's a Holocaust survivor, says he was in Auschwitz. He would not stress over sitting with a fridge stocked full of food and having, he didn't even know what to call it, and then eventually he works out the name Netflix. But we're very fortunate because Due to technology, the amount of meaningful content that we can access from our own homes at this time of lockdown is immense. It is immense. Firstly, the amount of people who are currently running live classes online that you could tune into, you will encounter rabbis and rabbitsons you didn't know existed. You will explore topics that you had never dreamed about. You will find meaning in areas that usually you don't have enough time for. There is an incredible amount out there. Really there is. And some very, very good sites available. So you, besides the live content, the curated content. And I always talk about the fact that uh, I once went looking on the YU, Yeshiva University website. I was looking for something. YUTorah.org. And they had, at the time, this was about six months ago. So I haven't seen the stats recently. They have over a hundred thousand talks. Work that out. If the average talk is an hour, a hundred thousand talks, you are not going to exhaust that content. That's the world that we live in right now. So in addition to having meaningful structure and in addition to using something which is stimulating, like learning a new language, I think one of the things that we could do at this time, not could do, we should do, we owe it to ourselves to do, is to invest in improving our Jewish knowledge base. It's a wonderful opportunity to do that. You probably have books in your home, Jewish books that you haven't ever had the opportunity to read or to study. I'm sure we all do. We're the people of the book, right? So we have those books. And if we don't have those books, the amount of things that are available on Amazon or, or, or Kindle or whichever particular platform it is that you happen to enjoy, the amount of, like I say, audio content that you can download and listen to on your device, video content that you can see, live content, we're incredibly, incredibly privileged. So that would also be, I think, so far, what have we got? 
that you should learn, or not you should, that we can learn the opportunity, we have the opportunity to learn to relinquish control. We have the responsibility to learn about responsibility. I think that's a big part of this lockdown. The value of creating meaningful structure in our day and to pursue meaningful study. These are things that will make this a highly, highly enriching concept, uh, concept a highly rich and enriching experience. Now I've got one more thought to share, and this might be obvious to some and daunting to others. The reality of a 21-day lockdown means that for the next three weeks, those people who are our immediate family, we're stuck with them. <laughs> for some people, this is the best news ever. For some people, this is like, I've always promised myself that one day I would make time just to spend with my family. I'll tell you the truth. I was really hoping that I'd have an opportunity because some of my children have been studying overseas and now they're back. I was really hoping to have the opportunity just to get away for a few days and spend some quality time with all of the family together. I didn't realize that Hashem was going to allow us the opportunity to have three weeks uninterrupted altogether. The first time in my entire life that I'll have a Pesach Seder with just my immediate family. My parents always had all kinds of visitors and guests, usually the people that nobody else was willing to invite to the Seder. We, running a community, always have large Seders. It's a very unusual experience. On the one hand, quite, quite sad, actually knowing that there are people out there who would have been at our Seder who can't be because of the lockdown. On the other hand, it's quite exhilarating to think about the opportunity to spend that time as a family. Realistically, for many people, spending time locked down with a spouse, with kids, is quite daunting. For many people, there, there there's a fear. There's, you know, What happens when you start to get sick of each other? What happens when you get cabin fever? What happens when you start to get on each other's nerves, and it's not a matter of if, in most cases, it's just a matter of when, whether it's fighting over screen time, whether it's fighting over meals, whether it's fighting over who is getting on whose nerves and not allowing each other space. We are very fortunate in South Africa that we have more space than most of the people in the world who are under lockdown right now, and I shouldn't say in South Africa, I should say in parts of South Africa. Many of our listeners are in the privileged part of the environment and we have space and we should be extremely grateful for that, that we can actually catch some sun and we can actually walk in a garden during a lockdown. Just give a thought for a moment to many, many, in fact, the majority of people who don't have that experience. Yet, doesn't matter how much space you have, being locked in with your family brings its own challenges. So a thought that crossed my mind. We know how much Judaism places a premium on Shalom bias. Shalom bias means peace and harmony within the family structure. Peace and harmony within the home. It's a big deal. We place a premium on shalom bias. In fact, so much so that the only time that a person is entitled, not anymore, but in the old days, in the temple days, the only time that you were ever entitled to deliberately erase God's name was only in the quest to restore harmony in a home where the couple had lost that sense of peace and lost that sense of connection. So that tells you how important and how valuable it is. You can go to an untold amount of classes and lectures about the importance of shalom bias, peace specifically between husband and wife and by extension between parents and children. This next three weeks, not only for us, it's happening in Israel, it's happening in Italy, 
It's happening in the UK. It's happening in parts of the United States. It's going to be a big challenge to Shalom Bayes. It is. Anybody will know from first-hand experience that during the week, there are certain times of the week that tend to be more challenging around Shalom Bayes than other times. Specifically, when's the most challenging Shalom Bayes time? When do people have the most difficulty holding it all together and treating their spouse and children and parents with respect? Friday afternoon. Ironic as it is. Shabbos is going to be the most magnificent time of the whole family sitting together, singing together, eating together, praying together. But that, that hour or so before Shabbos, late Friday afternoon, the chaos of prep for Shabbos puts incredible strain on Shalom Bayes. That's why if you have guests who are planning to come for Shabbos, you always hope that they don't arrive with a gift in that twilight zone, in that happy hour just before Shabbos, because you really don't want anybody to see what your household looks like at that time, where people are yelling at each other and everybody's nerves are frayed. That's even more so, I think, on Erev Pesach. Usually on Erev Pesach, whoa, is there stress? Is there pressure? I think today, the whole South Africa is feeling the Erev Pesach experience. So the question is, why? Why is it that a Friday, just before Shabbos, there's such a threat and such a stress around Shalom Bayes. Why is it that just before Pesach, there's such stress around Shalom Bayes? I'd like you to think about that for a second. If you have a suggestion, you can share it on 34519 or by telegram 0618951019. This is Fresh Thinking with Rabbi Ari Shishla. So my question is, why is it that specifically just before Shabbos, and a little bit more so just before Pesach, there is so much pressure around family relationships? Why is that the time that we find it so difficult to retain shalom, bias, peace in the home? There's a teaching from the Rebbe, from the Lubavitcher Rebbe, where he says that Shalom bias, peace between husband and wife in the human terms, is merely a reflection of our relationship with God. There are a number of places in Torah literature where God is referred to as husband and the Jewish people as the wife. And we've had our moments, we've had our fallouts, we've had our infidelities like the golden calf, we've had our estrangement like the destruction of the temple, and we also have the promise that there will be a time where the two of us reunite. And when we do, it will be like any couple who's been through a tough experience and worked on it. You come out on the other side stronger. You come out as a stronger couple. So we have the reassurance from our prophets and from our sages that there will be this time where the Jews and God reunite in this intimate embrace that will never again be undermined. We call that the time of Mashiach. And so the Rebbe writes that there's a teaching from the Arizal, Rabbi Isaac Luria, one of the foremost Kabbalists, that if you take the six days of creation, you can stretch them out to represent the six millennia. And the seventh day of creation, which was Shabbos, is supposed to represent the seventh millennium, which is the Messianic age. Just like Shabbos is a time of rest and a time of spiritual experience, so the Messianic age will be a time of rest and, of course, an incredible spiritual experience. So if you take that, you can then actually calculate where we are in the week, 
In other words, the world was created 5,780 years ago. That places us on Friday afternoon after midday. In other words, mid-Friday afternoon. Exactly the time where there is this typical breakdown in Shalom Bayes in the average home. That last part of the Friday afternoon, as you're getting ready for Shabbos and tensions rise. That's very much our world that we live in now. And he writes this in letters to people who struggle. You know, we know that we have a, a high divorce rate. We know that many couples do struggle uh, just keeping the peace. We know that there are all kinds of external pressures on the marriage, uh, on the marriage in today's world. So he says the reason we have so much pressure today is specifically because of the fact that we're living so close to Shabbos, so close to the Messianic age. That's why it's like Pesach. Pesach is our festival of redemption. So just before that big break, just before that redemption, there's a tremendous amount of pressure on the family unit, specifically on the married couple. Now, in Hashem's infinite wisdom and His incredible sense of humor, as we come up to Pesach, one of the most stressful times of the year, He's decided that families are going to be holed up together and they are going to have to confront the real issues of Shalom Bayes, like it or not. All the ugly stuff has the potential to come out right now. I mean, all the good stuff also has the potential to come out right now, and that is the decision that we're going to make. We're going to choose if we'll focus on all the toxicity of our family structure or if we'll look specifically to build the positivity of our family structure. And it could very well be that this stretch of living as wholesome, healthy families where we learn respect in confined spaces and where we learn to go out of our way for each other and we show responsibility to look after each other could well be that that's just what's needed to complete the process of preparing the world for Moshiach. Just like you need that last little push to prepare for Shabbos and that last little run to be ready for Pesach, please God, this experiment in family unity should please God be the last push to get us to the experience of Mashiach. Today is Rosh Chodesh, the beginning of the month of Nisan, the month of miracles, the month of redemption. Our sages say the Jews were taken out of the first exile in a Pesach time in the month of Nisan, and please God will be taken out of the final exile with Mashiach in the month of Nisan. May that happen for us now.